Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. This week is brilliant documentarian Taylor Morton, who's currently immersed in the creation of his upcoming feature, Getting Lost. The Lost television series was a phenomenon that left millions of viewers scratching their collective head each week. That sense of wonder continues even today, as both mine and Matt's tiny little brains were blown at the fact that Malcolm David Kelly, aka Walt from Lost, is one half of the pop duo MKTO, who had a top 20 hit with Classic in 2013. Did these guys bring the musical thunder, though? We have to go back to find out. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me all right, Taylor, welcome back to the show. I got to tell you, man, the other day I was watching a live stream of you <laughs> on Geekscape talking about your upcoming documentary, Getting Lost, and, you know, commenting on it on YouTube and everything. And all of Which a sudden... Yeah, all of a sudden you dropped this fact that blew my mind when you told me, well, you told not just me, you told anyone listening, but I, I like to pretend you were just telling, I like to pretend you were just telling me uh, that Walt from Lost is one half of the pop slash hip hop duo MKTO. And I was like, damn, I didn't even know that. I love this song classic, which is part of what we're going to talk about today. It was what we're considering their hit were you familiar with that song I, because matt wasn't i remember it in passing it was back in the early 2010s 2010s something like that mm-hmm. um and i was playing in a band at the time in sort of that pop space so i remember it as being like 
oh, that's cool. That's what we're trying to do. And they're doing it. And then I am old, but I did join TikTok a few years ago during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And this song was a huge, there was a TikTok dance for this. So I'm mostly familiar with it from like 2020 TikTok memes of the dancing with the Cadillac and a da da da. There's a dance to that that is my main experience with the song. But the fact that I am the biggest Lost fan I know, and you know, I know a lot of Lost fans. And at the time I wasn't aware, and this it was on MTV. It was a, a popular song. The video was huge on YouTube. And then the TikTok thing, obviously you don't see the band, but I had no idea that Malcolm David Kelly, Walt from Lost had anything to do with this. I knew he had become a musician more after mm-hmm. Lost. That's like in the back of my head. I'm like, oh, okay, I know that. But then when we went uh, to interview him for this documentary, I did my research. As, as you know, doing podcasts, you do your research. And I was like, oh, he had a, a group for a while that was kind of popular. And I went on their YouTube and I, I heard this song and I'm like, oh, this is a great cover of that song that was popular. <laughs> These guys put a lot of money into their video for a cover. That's wild. Uh, and then I kept reading. I'm like, wait, <laughs> I think. I think these are the guys. I think Walt from Lost it's, is the rapper on this yep. song. It's and it turns out it wild. is. It's, it's wild. It blew my yeah. mind. I couldn't believe it. And my story, just how you discovered it, uh, Taylor, is the same as yours. I, I found it on TikTok. Now, I had heard it. I believe I had heard it at like a wedding, which would totally make sense. Somewhere in the ether, I had heard the song at some point. But it was TikTok and... I remember the video exactly. I probably have it in my saved TikToks. It was a girl doing like a hula hoop. She was like really good with a hula hoop. Not just not just spinning it around her hips, but doing all kind of like crazy, like a crazy routine to it that was perfectly timed to the point where if you watched it on a loop, it started again perfectly. You know how people yeah. do that? Impressive. Yeah. Yes. It was something like that where she used perspective of the camera as well in it and whatever. And it like, and I instantly added this song to my playlist. That's now probably like six or 700 songs where every time I hear a good song, I add it to it and just shuffle it when I'm driving, you know, everyone should do that if you don't. Uh, But uh, yeah. And then I dove into MKTO back then I did a little bit. There were no other songs that, I felt worthy of the playlist, but then I redove into them for this episode. But yeah, I have a similar story. So I want to point into. out that, like I said, I did not know this song uh, very well until today. Like it sounded vaguely familiar, but that was about it. Um, when I looked at the Billboard charts for when this song hit its peak, which like, I mean, it's a top 20 hit for sure. It peaked at 14. It was in between Ariana Grande's Break Free and Dark Horse by uh, Katy Perry at the time that it peaked. <laughs> But looking at the top five, there's another song that we covered on this podcast that I also did not know until we did the podcast on it. Um, So number five was Stay With Me by Sam Smith, which is the song that got him in trouble uh, for ripping off some Tom Petty. Hey, which, by the way, I want to note, I want to I just want to tell Taylor this, the Tom Petty ripoff thing. I, I, I noticed that before. There was a controversy about that with without anyone pointing it out. I, I, that's it's like a humble brag. It's not even that humble, yeah. but I was like, 
this is I won't deep. back down. I noticed that way before, and I felt like it was like a few weeks later. There was like everyone. Do you, realized do you think that it. that was because you were? It, it came out around the same time you were on the campaign that I won't back down should be the new national anthem. <laughs> it was just fresh in yeah, your yeah, head. I do think I do think that should be our national anthem. But yeah, go ahead. Uh, number four, I do. I Continue. still don't know this song. Nico and Vins. Am I wrong? Oh, dude, that's a good song. Did you listen to it? No, I genuinely don't know this That's song. That's another song that I added to playlists when it came out. Am I Wrong's a really good song. Okay. You know it, Taylor, right? That's, no. 100% I would recognize it if I heard it. You would. I don't know a lot of songs by name from that era. Like, it, I didn't know the name MKTO. Yeah. I didn't know the name, you know, I didn't know Sam Smith. Yeah. I don't know any of these people. So this one I, I definitely listening to the radio in my car yeah. is what I was doing at this time. Yeah. This one yeah. I definitely knew at number three, Ariana Grande again with Iggy Azalea with Problem. Definitely knew that one. This is the one that we covered at number two, a song that I never knew until we did a one hit thunder on it. Rude by Magic. You didn't know what? Rude? Yeah. You didn't know Rude? That's not acceptable. That's how far away no, I was from not. the radio at all times in 2013. And then the number one song. Uh, Iggy Azalea with Charlie XCX with Fancy. Yeah. Okay. Which I also only knew yeah. when Weird Al did Handy. Like, <laughs> I was very out of the loop of pop music I, at this point in time. <laughs> I, I want to do an episode about that Nico and Vin's Am I Wrong? That's a good pop song. That is, that is a really good song. And hey, look, I'm going to say it right now. I think these songs, including this MKTO song, it's pretty cheesy. Like, oh, yeah. it's. <laughs> it's over the top. Like I could see people be, I could see people out there saying this is the worst song ever. I could see people saying that who really hate pop music. Yeah. I think it's just like a perfect, almost too perfect of a pop song. And I like it. I like it. So yeah. it's so yeah. well crafted. If you look at like the lyrics are so on the nose, right? It's mm -hmm. just, it's just somebody looked up the word class, a classic beauty or whatever, and then just read the Wikipedia article into a song. Uh, and it's just mm -hmm. a list of things that are classic. And then, you know, I think at the time, jaded people like us were like, yeah, it's so poppy. It's so cheesy. It's so on the nose. Uh, but then with the TikTok thing, you look at what the younger generation does. Like, they do not care. Yeah. This song could be comparable. I think that this song is way better than what I'm about to compare it to. But from a yes. lyrical stance, it's not that far off from that fancy like Applebee's song from like a year ago. It's just like, <laughs> I'm fancy like this thing and like this thing and like this exactly. thing. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah. I think the whole song, honestly, the hook of the song is going to thrill you like Michael, going to kiss you like Prince. Yeah, Prince, yeah. yeah that is that like is the song. Yeah. yeah, it's just a list of things that are like, yeah. it's weird because they're mostly things that are only relevant to old people like uh -huh. you know like classic our our generation and older like they start mm. getting real marilyn monroe and uh and marvin gay on it and you're like sure. who is this why is, who is this song for? why is beyonce just slammed in the middle of like this <laughs> random list of like ancient things it, what was it 2012 or 2013 this is officially 10 years old it officially crossed into yeah. being uh I think our our unwritten rule is you have ten years to to get a follow up going, or we're sure. confident stamping one sure. hit wonder well, the on band you. Broke up. Dude, no, the band up. we're gonna get into this for a second. Actually, we'll get into we it right now, right now. So the so the band puts out this song. They put out the EP three years later, Bad Girls. 
Then they break up in 2017. A year later, they reunite and they release songs throughout 2018, 2019, 2020. Then in 2021, Tony says he's leaving the band. A couple months later, he starts to appear on their YouTube channel and played with them as recently (laughs) as last year. Like this band is just constantly breaking up and getting back together. Well, I think a problem, the the definition of band, right? It's two guys. Uh (laughs) One of them does, you know, if you look at the songs, sings 90% of the song and the other guy mm-hmm. raps yeah. and smiles real big. Great smile. One of the best smiles in pop <laughs> music is Malcolm David Kelly's smile. But, <laughs> but yeah, when I talked to him a few weeks ago, he's like, Oh no, we broke up. So I'm calling it from the horse's mouth. Okay. There we go. Oh. Officially. So, I mean, <laughs> okay. But I'm just saying by the time this episode come comes out though, who knows they right. could be back together again based on their history. <laughs> I have a feeling they came back in 2021 because of TikTok. Oh. Like if you get something blowing up like that, mm-hmm. you go back on good, YouTube. Good, good call. That he was like, hey, I'm leaving the band. And then they logged on to TikTok and was like, oh shit, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. <laughs> 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 exactly. That's the move. <laughs> Matt, I'm surprised that you aren't familiar uh, with Malcolm Kelly and Tony Aller. They met while they were filming a Nickelodeon show called Gigantic in 2010, which I've never heard I've of. I've never heard of it uh, either. In which, the, in which their characters play best friends. Have you watched this, Matt? I have not. Uh, I do want to remind you that by the time 2010 rolled around, I was in my mid to late 20s and did not watch as much Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> you just seem eternally Nickelodeon. You seem like an eternal Nickelodeon watcher. Uh, look, I've said that if they create, I've said this on many podcasts, if they created a channel called just the nineties channel that played old Nickelodeon shows all day long, I would watch that. I have not cared about a new Disney channel show or Nickelodeon show in a very long time. Okay. Yeah, it's, fine. it's Nick at night during the day. Yes. That's what yeah, we need. Right. Dude. We need a new, yeah. cause Nick at night when it was on in the nineties was shows from the sixties and seventies. So now Nick at night daytime, cause we're all old and don't stay yeah. up at night. Uh, would be 90 shows from prime Nickelodeon. Yeah, I don't appreciate yeah. that Nick at Night in 2023 is like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Friends and all of that. And it's <laughs> yeah, not- Instead of Nickelodeon shows. Well, it's, no, my thing is just like, to me, the aesthetic of Nick at Night is it's gotta be black and white and classic. Like it's gotta yeah. feel like you can never, you can never find this anywhere else but on Nick at Night. I can find Fresh Prince and Friends on literally every channel at any given moment of the day. <laughs> like it doesn't feel as rare and exciting. Um, right. I did dive into the rest of their catalog, and me too. I'm gonna say this right now. I actually like the song "Thank You" more than I like the song "Classic." Well, <laughs> I w- I got what I gotta say about that song okay so that was their first hit but these guys are huge in australia i was gonna say i almost wanted to check to see where they were originally from because god damn it if australian new zealand don't love the shit out of this band (laughs) they they gotta be winning mad arias (laughs) Uh, was it was it the tv show i mean i know lost was huge in australia oh maybe okay but i don't know about this uh gigantic show if it was huge in australia but it would make sense wherever that show was most popular because the band came out right after you know i'm not sure the only thing i know is that it seems like australians when it comes to the radio and i'm basing this off of a recent krista makes a podcast episode where we had ben lee as a guest and he had a giant number one hit with catch my disease yeah. In Australia, mm. and that is like the most 
sugary bubblegum pop song ever. It yeah. seems like maybe Australians and New Zealanders love like over the top pop. So the premise of the show yeah. Gigantic, <laughs> Gigantic revolves around a 17 year old Anna Moore and her younger brother Walt, played by Tony. Uh, that's very funny. Uh, teen, that very funny. <laughs> teens who live the lives of Hollywood it kids as the children of the famous movie stars John and Jennifer Moore. Anna and Walt have recently returned to Los Angeles after living in Australia for the past two years while their f- parents shot a movie. So I don't know if that okay. was like a big thing where Australia was like, we're being represented on this TV show. <laughs> but like, okay. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> How did they say it? I'm not going to do that again. I've already offended them once. Uh, you call that a knife, mate? <laughs> uh, Listen, this is I don't a know, knife. I don't know how podcasts work, but if MKTO is popular in Australia, the listeners of this episode, <laughs> yeah, I know, are going to be very Australian. Yeah. And you just yes. offended all just of offended them. all of them. Yes, sorry, Australia, we love you. This is kind My of my favorite a, band. It's from your country. So <laughs> this is actually uh, pretty interesting, though. Two of the stars of the series are the real life children of Hollywood celebrities, including Meryl Streep's daughter and uh, Joe Joe Montana's daughter. <laughs> So, Joe, Joe, you mean Joe Montana or Joe Montana? Yeah, but I think you got difference. it correct. Montana. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Montana. Yeah, because yeah, Joe Montana is not Hollywood anything. <laughs> no, no, but he he is from where I grew up, and he's he was one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. It was canceled shortly after the first season, though. I want to talk about this thank you song. So it reached the top ten in Australia, and New Zealand. It was their debut single. Uh, when they signed to Columbia Records in 2012. In the video, do you yeah. know this, Taylor? You know yes, about I what do. happens in the video. Well, yes, I uh, do. How do, you say, how do you say Harold's last name? Perrineau? Is that Perineau. how you say it? Yeah. Yeah. Harold Perrineau, who plays Walt's father, Michael, on Lost. Yes. Um, in a very quick shot in the music video, he walks by, and Malcolm, who played Walt on Lost, looks over his shoulder like real confused. It is such a quick... Yeah, like moment in the video. It's not like they went over the top. It was like a pretty cool little nod to Lost Face. That video is pretty funny. I have to say, like yeah. when I hit play and they're watching like some senator talk about how bad the recession uh-huh. is, and he leans in the mic and just says, "You're all fucked." And then yeah. uh-huh. the classic, the classic TV trope of they're just like, "Oh hell no!" And they get off the couch and immediately they're in whatever location the press conference is yeah. happening at. I'm like, I love this. This is so goofy. It's quality. It's it's good. And I think the song is really catchy. I liked Thank well, You quite a bit. <laughs> like, well, Thank You, as far as the sound of the music, uh, I thought it, at first I was like, oh, my God, this is too much even for me who likes pop music. This is too <laughs> over-the-top cheesy. But the redeeming part of that song for me is when I listen to the lyrics of it, it is... It is sarcastically thanking like older people for making a mess of the world. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is actually like pretty cool and pretty accurate. Yeah. So the chorus <laughs> you know? is thank you for feeding us the years of lies. Thank you for the wars that you made us fight. Thank you for the world that you ruined overnight. We'll be fine. Yeah, we'll be fine. It's like punk yeah. rock yeah. lyrics <laughs> in the most the most pop song yeah. you've ever heard. It's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, and they were teenagers at this time right like they weren't in their 20s singing about high school they were like 18 yeah. 19 right i think yes. so yeah that would make sense they were still yeah they looked really young so they were punk rock they just yeah yeah just just very glossy punk rock just with uh, yeah they would have malcolm yeah. would have been 21 
Okay. okay. So yeah, wow. they were All not right. teenagers, but still very much young enough to be pissed off about stuff. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, 21 is still very, very young. <laughs> then they followed it up with classic. That was the second single. And that was their sort of peak. And they follow that was in June of 2013. We know it mm-hmm. peaked at number 14 on the charts. They follow their next <laughs> follow-up single, which when I clicked on it, that, which would have been their third single, I was like, oh my God, did they do this? Because it's called God Only Knows. And I, I like, thought the no. same thing. I was like, did they cover the Beach Boys? <laughs> I, but then it's not. And then I was like, Are, can you do that? Can you call a song? I feel like God Only Knows yeah. that song title should be retired Chris, at this point, we, right? This is so funny that you asked this because we just had this conversation on an episode of Weird Algorithm that we recorded. Matt Milligan confirmed to us that he learned this through doing Weedus stuff and contracts. You cannot copyright a song title. So if Punchline right. wanted wow. to release a song called Stairway to Heaven, you can release an original <laughs> song called Stairway to Heaven if you want That's to. That's an incredible idea. <laughs> Just name your song Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> uh, we're gonna do we're going to do Punchline Teenage Dirtbag. <laughs> Punchline's next album should just be the name, all the songs named after the biggest <laughs> yeah. songs in music history. Freebird. The top That's 10 crazy. biggest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Um, that's so great. In movies, it's the exact opposite. They make you pay for something called a title search. And if your name is too close to the name of an existing movie, uh, you can't put out the movie. Don't you? I feel like wow. I've heard that you have to do something slightly similar with even naming characters that like you have to double check to make sure that there's yeah. like, obviously you can't like make sure that no one on earth has that same name, but so, you do have to like yeah, do a deep dive um, check. You have to search if your movie takes place in a, a real world location. Like if you're like, this is New York and this character's name is Chris Fafalios. You have to look and check and make sure there's not someone named that who lives there that could be misinterpreted as this exact person. (laughs) There's like famous stories of people suing movies and being like, my name is the name of this. And that's why you see so many times, like all names, any similarities to real people living or dead is purely coincidental. Yeah. That's like a workaround, but you're supposed to, you know, (laughs) just comb through the the (laughs) yellow pages for that particular city. (laughs) Hey, I got a Taylor, maybe, Matt, you might know the answer to this too. And Taylor, you you almost definitely do. We may have even talked about this on this podcast before, but the thing that drives me crazier and will make me almost turn off a TV show or a movie. Do you know what I'm about to say? The 555. Yes. The 555 phone number. How do they... And now I've seen other TV shows and movies where they have like a, a regular phone number written. So I think now they do it like you can just get a Google phone number uh-huh. and then the studio owns that phone number. Yeah. Or like you register a phone number that's for your movie, but mm-hmm. I don't understand that one. And I, I think we have talked about this before, but I don't get it. Why that became a thing and why it's such a, like, I don't even understand why they're blurring out license plates. Like, what yeah. are you going to do with that information that there's a blue but Celica, I, with this license I, plate I for, in the world? I forget what movie yeah. it was. I want to say it was like something like the Santa Claus, like with Tim Allen, that when it was released in theaters, they had an actual phone number on his business card. And the owner of that phone number like was being called on a regular basis by little kids thinking that they could call santa claus who like couldn't separate the the fiction from the reality of that um and then when they released it on vhs they had to change the number 
Like they had to pay money to digitally change the number to a five 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 number before the home video release because of that. I love that. <laughs> here's here's what drives me crazy. If I'm making this movie, there are like five thousand workarounds to not show the phone number. If if right. I, if it's a rule, if it's a rule that you have to do five five five, if someone's like handing their phone number on a piece of Just paper, do you have it. to show? <laughs> yeah, yeah. do you have to show the number? Just put your thumb over the first three digits, right? Yeah, or something. Don't have to. Yeah, we don't need to see the phone number is not necessary for the story. the The fact that a phone number is being passed in one way or another, maybe right. that's necessary. The what the number is, I don't know. Yeah, I no. could go off on this forever. Let's let's <laughs> right. get back except, to MKTO. <laughs> except to to bring it back around real quick, on okay. Lost, they did hide Easter eggs that were real phone numbers and real websites and stuff, and then they had like the real world, you know, alternative reality stuff where you would call a phone number and it would be Oceanic Airlines. That was buried really? like deep in the background of some episode or on a DVD special feature, and so when they do it right, like on the the yeah, shows and really movies cool. where they do the number yeah. and then they get the number, and if you call, there's like a cool, oh, this is Hulk Hogan. Thanks for calling. Whatever. <laughs> That's cool to me. It's like, yeah, how much more work was that versus how awesome right. it is for the fans to call the number? What if the people called that number and Santa Claus answered? Yeah, that would have been amazing. It would have been incredible. In yeah. What's up, everyone? It's Joe, and I'm the host of That's Awesome with Joe, a podcast on the newly formed Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. I talk with tons of your favorite artists, managers, touring personnel, and more. Most of the time we talk about music, but lots of the time we end up talking about something completely unrelated. We laugh a lot. We do a lot of really stupid things, but also some things that are really informative and interesting. Basically, it's a podcast that I think you should listen to. Obviously, I'm biased because it's my podcast, but I think I might be into it if I wasn't the host. Check it out at SoundTalentMedia.com. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with factors, delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie smart, protein plus, and keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout, plus... Considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. 921 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers? Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. I do want to talk about NKTO for a quick second. So the name NKTO is 
just their initials. Like, let's be very yes. yeah. upfront about this. They'll, they said that it stood for Misfit Kids and Total Outcasts. And I want to bring this to Four Chord Music Festival for a quick second because <laughs> there was a bunch of bands that played. Probably my favorite band that played that I had never heard before was a band called Mags, spelled M.A.G.S., and they were selling T-shirts that just said marijuana and good sex down the <laughs> down the side of them. And I refuse to believe that that is what MAG stands for the same way that I refuse to believe that MKTO stood for Misfit Kids and Total Outcasts. Do you think that for the most part, bands that have abbreviated names come up with the abbreviation first and then just come up with a bunch of stupid things that it could stand for later on? Yeah, I think Kiss uh, yeah. is the yeah. first one, right? Yeah. I think they were like, Kiss is great. Knights in Satan's service. <laughs> That's definitely what it stands for because it'll piss off the most parents. Um, but yeah, I think that's definitely what happens. And I think Mags is definitely somebody's nickname. Yeah. It's all the band your name. Right, Mags? Yeah, got, I, uh, the guy's name, I think, is Elliot Mags. I'm yeah. Sure. <laughs> I also have to say, this is this is like super nitpicky. There's something really funny to me that will always be funny to me of a a group, a, a pop group made up of two child stars claiming that they're the misfit kids in the total outcasts where I'm just like, right. where are you? They're so punk rock. <laughs> like, it's, so punk rock. it's like Disney Channel punk rock. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, I remember... I'm not going to dunk on this guy too hard, but there was a guy who maybe had a pretty popular podcast and maybe hosted a talk show after a popular zombie show on AMC who used to talk about all the time how hard it was being a kid because he got bullied all the time while simultaneously talking about how his best friend since he was 10 was Will Wheaton. And I'm like, Will but Wheaton. how yeah. hard how hard is your life if your best friend is Will Wheaton? Exactly. Yeah, that means you lived in the same neighborhood as <laughs> yeah, Will Wheaton. Like- you had a couple legs up on the competition. <laughs> yeah, hey, look, uh, what I'm going to say about MK... T.O. is that if I was a teenager or in my 20s, I would be thinking this was the worst shit ever. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm just, I just think I'm a middle-aged guy now who can just appreciate the production and the melodies and can appreciate an over-the-top pop song, you know, but I would get why, especially someone who was into like rock music or punk rock music or would hate this yeah and and, and they'd be they'd be completely legit in hating it it is very much overproduced i will say that what's his name not not tony malcolm tony uh, oliver tony Tony. he's 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 got a good voice he's got like a boy band voice i watched some live uh, some like acoustic live versions of there yeah i was impressed i was like oh okay this guy who could have been a pop star, you know, like he's carrying this song, right? Mm-hmm. Malcolm is sitting there going like, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. I know. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. all the live ones, because he sings 30 seconds of it at most. Uh, but he's got a and great smiling, voice. smiling. That fucking best smile in pop music, I'm telling yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, so this is definitely a guilty pleasure for me, I would say. But uh, moving on with their story... So after they released these singles, they went on tour with this band Emblem 3, another over-the-top, pretty cheesy pop band who has a song called Girl Next Door that's on my playlist I was talking about. Okay. It's a good, it's, 
Yeah. It's you know that song, really. I thought mm-hmm. that was one I just discovered like like just by happen happenstance or whatever. <laughs> it's something about the girl next door. It's good. Uh and and then they toured with Demi Lovato. In 2014. Then their debut album came out in February of 2014. It went to number one in Australia, number six in New Zealand, and they did their first headlining tour with opening acts Tiffany Houghton and Action Item, who went on tour right before that, I believe, with Punchline. Oh, amazing. (laughs) Yeah, Action (laughs) Item was toured with us on one of our tours. They released the Bad Girls EP. Matt, Matt said this before in 2015. The song Bad Girls, the title track, is... Look, Malcolm and Tony, if you're listening, I'm a fan. That Bad Girl song, that's a bad song. (laughs) That's not a good song. (laughs) That's a very bad song. Very over-the-top music video. Pretty bad. But in 2016, they released the song Superstitious. Now this, once again, I really like it because the music video is very self-aware. They're like, they know that they've like fallen off the face of the earth and they're like looking at what, what people are saying about them. And now they're Uber drivers and (laughs) they, they, they Uber drive together. Like they're both in the front. (laughs) And when the Uber riders, when the Uber riders get in, they're like playing them their song. And the girls are like, Oh, I think, I think, I I think this is that band MKTO. Like it's a pretty clever. I give them credit for that. I like. I like that song a little more than Bad Girls. That's funny. I remember that video like coming up in my orbit somehow. Like I remember that video so clearly, not because I just watched it for this, but because of you describing it and that premise being so good. Did not recognize Malcolm at that time either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mind blown. Yeah. By the taller, Malcolm. taller, taller ghost Walt. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But then we get to the part where, in March of 2017, they announced the band had broken up. But then in June of 2018, announced they were back together. Uh, three days later, they announced they signed with BMG. Following that announcement, they released a new single titled How Can I Forget in September 2018. Then they released Should Have Known Better and Marry Those Eyes in 2019. And then, as Matt alluded to, in August 2021, Tony announced he'd be moving on from the band. But then a few months after that, he appeared to have returned as he frequently uploaded to the MKTO YouTube and then performed a live show in May of 2022. But as you said, Taylor, uh, when working on the Getting Lost documentary and talking to Malcolm, he confirmed that the band, that the duo is broken up. But as we know, anything goes with these That was three weeks ago. Who knows what's happened (laughs) since? I mean, one of the things that it's worth bringing up about (laughs) MKTO, I don't know how EPs play into this, but they are theoretically, if you're looking at just full lengths, they're another one of those groups that just one album and done. You know what I mean? Like they put out one full length album and some EPs and some singles, but that's... We just recently did another episode about one of those. You know what I mean? I, I'm trying to remember who it was, but we definitely recorded an episode very recently that was like they put out that one album and then they were off. They, they, they were they tapped out. Spiral Staircase was that way for us. There's there's a handful of those bands in the one hit wonder game where maybe maybe if they put out another full length, things would have been different. But MTKO oh. was definitely putting in the work. They were putting out the singles. They were they kept it going. They're very much in the pop world too, where the model is now singles. If yeah. this was twenty years ago, 
all these so- songs we're talking about they released as singles probably would have been part of a larger album they probably would have had two or three albums total i think they just got caught up in the wave we all got caught up in for a minute there <laughs> and i'm real i'm realizing and my whole band is realizing that you got to put if you're if you're a rock band you got to put out albums yeah and i think that even the pop artists are realizing yeah the singles thing is cool but those have to be part of a larger they have to be library, something more a, a larger collection at some point so yes. so let me ask you this question, and I think it's mostly directed at you, Chris, because you are uh, a fan of of the bubblegum pop stuff. Uh, one of the writers of Classic is a, wrote a song for your girl Carly Rae on uh, one Whoa. of her albums. Uh, there was four different writers that worked on the song Classic. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, wow. But, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I was clicking through all of them, and they've all done stuff with artists. I didn't recognize a lot of the songs. It wasn't like they had, like, a ton of home runs, but they definitely worked in a lot of pop music. But I'm thinking of what I hear today on the radio when I'm talking to say my niece and nephew, like what they like in music. And it's not this type of bubblegum pop anymore. Do you think that M uh, oh my MKTO came like exploded just as that type of pop music was becoming less what was being played on the radio. And that's what hurt them the most. That's a that's a good question. Mm. It, that might be correct. I love Carly Rae, but I think she's also even her new album. Jack Antonoff produced it. You know, I do think that yeah. there is more of a, a desire or hunger for the edgier sort of pop. Olivia Rodrigo, even you know Taylor Swift. I wouldn't say it's necessarily edgy, but it's it's she's it's, gone more like. I would it's say indie pop, fans of say. like emo music. Yeah. Well, you also have to think about 2015. I, I want to say 2015 is right around where you're like stuff like Migos starts to become like the biggest group in the world where it's like you're really starting to shift from these big productive like pop songs into these like mumble rap over like a simple 808. <laughs> beat and like like it's like simplistic hip-hop or like you said 10 years ago roughly i think it was was when when did 1989 come out for for taylor swift i think that was almost 10 years ago now and that was kind mm. of the beginning of that what you're saying like the indie rock pop music or like the the emo pop music like like it, i think that they dropped this song yeah. ju- it was i i you know who i'd compare it to jane child how we talked about how Jane yeah. Child had this amazing sound just a couple months before Nirvana came and like made that sound completely antiquated. Like I think they just hit right before what was pop radio completely f- flipped into a sound that they weren't creating. <laughs> yeah, um, I think this is a lot similar or more in the vein of what was the 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 boy band the the boy band sound of like the late nineties, early two thousands, whatever. And yeah, maybe that's part of why it wasn't. I mean, if this song would have came out in that era, if classic, I mean, it was number 14, it was good enough and a well-produced song in 2012, 2013, whenever, uh, that it, you know, it still had a a lot of success, but this might've been a number one song 15 years earlier, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I just wanted to check out of curiosity. So that Bad Girls EP follow-up came out in 2015. And I'm just using this as a as a basis for my own stuff. And One Direction breaks up the following year. 
And I only say use that as like a litmus moment because I think that that really was like around that same time where all of that type of pop music started to shift in a big way. So, yeah, I do think that they just I just think it was bad timing. If this song came out like five years earlier, (laughs) I think that Mm -hmm. a lot of the other songs would be huge because at first I thought, are these guys even a one hit wonder? Because I'm reading about Thank You and it's like, oh, it it gains like. 25 million views on YouTube and I thought well I would kill to have 25 million views on YouTube then I read classic is that like a hundred million views and I'm like well that is dramatically different (laughs) like that puts that 25 in context and you're like oh that this is the song (laughs) we sat down with Malcolm David Kelly for the doc and I, I hadn't done this level of research about MKTO I was just like holy crap it's the that song that I know from TikTok and it's not a cover (laughs) <laughs> uh, he did refer to it as their one song. Yeah. He's like, we had this yeah. one song, you know, so he, they right. know. So it's, yeah. did he make any comparison? Did he make any comparison to another character on Lost who may have had just one song? Oh, wow. You know, I tried to push you there. Also, <laughs> full transparency, I pitched to both of you that this episode should be about the fictional song from lost you all everybody by drive set drive, yeah that song drive rules drive i must say that song <laughs> which, fucking rules which i just posted i just covered it because we just hit our initial funding goal on indiegogo and i just posted a video on our instagram and tiktok and stuff of of me playing that song with my wife on drums nice because you all everybody is a bang i think it's, uh, i think the lost doc, hit. i think the lost doc could use a punchline version of that as the closing credits role personally <laughs> yeah <laughs> listen if i thought there was a snowball's chance in heck that we could get the right to a song owned by disney uh, and try it out of their you know cold right. dead hands i would say yes let's get that going right now yeah. but i hear there's another loss related punchline song i have a much that's better true. chance of putting in the docs that's true go that I, I i feel like you got a real in if you want to use that song <laughs> yeah hey i want to talk to you about the lost doc a little bit too but but before we do that sure thunder or blunder on mkto are we are we going thunder or blunder here well, well you could start taylor how do you feel in the context that i know the song from which is one of my favorite TikTok things that has happened because it has a, a great dance and I was mm-hmm. new to TikTok and it's just like a moment in my life. I think it's a, it's a thunder, but only the eight seconds that are on TikTok. Okay. <laughs> the rest of the song may be kind of a blunder. I don't know if that's an okay answer, but that's, that works. I'm actually going to go thunder on this too. Cause like I said, I really, I really do like that. Thank you song. So right out the gate, for my basis, a lot of the time is like, I will give thunder to any artist who I think theoretically had a song good enough for them to not be eligible to be covered on one hit, on one hit thunder. Like if I think, hey, this song should have also been a hit and thus we would not be talking about them, I would award them thunder for that alone. I think that Thank You is a good song. And like you say, you're describing the videos, like they're so self-aware, they're so fun. Um, I, I think that any other time this band could have could have been more than uh, just this song classic. So I'm going to slap the thunder on them. I'm going to give them thunder too. I didn't know before you just told me, Matt, I don't know how I missed this, that they didn't write the song, yeah. which is sort of like, uh, I know not, I know pop stars don't usually write their songs, but I do feel like in the year 2023, more of the 
pop stars Word. that are huge are writing their own songs, which I makes me like them even more. And I don't know how I feel about the fact these guys didn't write that song. They did write. Um, they did write. Thank you, though. <laughs> okay. Thank you was was right. written by the two of them. That that's cool. I'm gonna give them thunder. I think this song's great. I actually like several songs by them, and I'm a sucker for a good pop song. So I'll go thunder on them. So it's kind of like two and a half. We kind of gave them two and a half thunders here because Taylor was kind of I, kind of I'll in the go middle. Full thunder. I'll go full thunder because okay. you just reminded me the videos. I mean, yeah. If you factor in the videos that these guys make, they're great. The video for this song. Is not my favorite one, no. but like their body of work. And of course they're actors. So their videos should be good, but the self-awareness, right. the fact that they're like, we get it. They're in on how ridiculous the whole yeah. vibe is. They're like, we're child actors from Nickelodeon doing pop music. Right. That's the joke. Like, and that they're in on it. I, I got to yeah. give him more credit for that. And even yeah. like critics, sure. critics love this song and the album that it came on. And like the reviews were essentially across the board. Like, Hey, these guys aren't reinventing any wheel, but like why reinvent a wheel when you can do the wheel very well? Like, and sure, yeah, they do pop music very well. Like, <laughs> uh, So triple thunder for MKTO and, you know, Taylor, congratulations on hitting the first goal for, the getting lost documentary. I know you for sure have stretch goals and stuff, and I'm excited to see this, man. I, like I said, I watched your interview on Geekscape a few days ago, or yeah, yesterday from when we're recording this. I hope that in the doc, look, I watched Lost when it came out. I was a major Lost head, man. So much so, like I said, we're recording an album while the final season is on. There's probably four or five episodes left, and we're recording a song about Lost. That's how much me and my bandmates loved the show. But I hope you have a couple Love detractors. It. Do you have a couple detractors in the doc about how it all ended up? Because I'm one of those people, and I want I want to be represented yeah. in this doc. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Good. you will be represented. It's a little bit harder. Uh, you know, when you're doing a doc and you're asking people to sit down and talk about a thing, because you are a very specific level of person that was really into it and has a lot to say, but then mm -hmm. at the very end, you know, maybe you're not happy with the way it ends. Sure. Those people tend to have moved on and don't care about lost anymore. Like it's, yeah. it's weird, but we do have a good smattering of people who love the show, hate the ending. Uh -huh. uh, what I'm looking for now and I, I don't know how to find it, but if any of your listeners are this person, is uh, somebody who just hates it outright. Who just <laughs> never, who was annoyed by all their friends talking about it. And, and the problem is I need this person to be good on camera, preferably sure. a giant celebrity I mean, that helps us sell units. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I was someone was who... celebrities out there who hate Lost? <laughs> That's yeah. what we're looking for. I, I was going to say, I was someone who definitely hated all of the discussion about lost and avoided it at all costs until the pandemic, like three years ago and then mm. sat down and watched it. was like, Oh, this is fucking great. Like, like I, yeah. but I, I definitely remember I, it was almost like an element of jealousy because I didn't watch the show. So like whatever wow. night it aired, I was just alone because all of my friends were like having watch <laughs> parties that I wasn't yeah. going to. A lot of people were like that with like, the Sopranos or Game of Thrones yeah. because they were on HBO. So you're like, well, uh, everybody's talking about this thing, but yeah, I don't, how do I, man. 
Yeah. I hate not being part of the conversation. <laughs> and I don't know I don't know when that started, but I, I mean now it's like even bad shows, I'll watch them because I want to be part of the conversation. I watched that horrible, horrible show with that the weekend made on HBO. It was uh it's called yeah. um that was one of the worst shows uh, I've ever watched. Or whatever. What, that was what rough. was it called? Did you watch it? It was horrible. Yeah. It was, it was uh, difficult. What was it called? Difficult yeah. to watch. Um, you know, I watched I know. Euphoria. I watched Succession. I watched, you know, any yeah. show that people are talking about, I don't want to be left out. So, um, it, I, yeah. And it's yeah. not just that these days. It's like the ones that come out weekly, you know, your Disney Plus shows or, or something. I'll watch mm-hmm. them like 7 a.m. the day they come out. <laughs> So that I can enjoy the internet that day. I tell my wife, it's like for pop culture awareness, like I have to know what's happening while people are talking about it. And I think for me, that stems a lot from Lost because that was the first show that was like, that's people were talking about it online during the week between episodes. I think you're right. There are definitely shows that I'm like, I know that a bunch of my friends watch this and are going to text me about my feelings. So I'd rather watch it before them so that when they text me, I already have thoughts because I don't want to be like, I'll get back to you in 45 minutes. Like I want to have already seen it. (laughs) Okay. I, 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 there'll be plenty of lost talk when the getting lost documentary comes out. Congratulations, Taylor. But I do want to, I do want to ask you about something related how exciting was it when you saw the last blockbuster up on Netflix in the top 10? Because I saw it there and I'm like, damn, go ahead, Taylor. That's awesome. I, I put it on on there, but, you know, I would have watched it anyway. But I was that had to be like a super thrill, right? It was. It was. I always believed in that project. But for like four years, I felt like I was the only one. Like I'm pushing this boulder up the hill. I'm like, no, you guys. Everyone's going to be talking about blockbuster video. You just don't know yeah. it yet. Your documentary inspired it. the most mediocre sitcom in Netflix history. <laughs> yes, the, the mediocreist. Yeah, but like I was just at Comic Con this year, and there was uh, Funko and Lego both had blockbuster video themed booths. Yep. Wow. And I was like, wow. That's you. You 100% did that. Like, yeah. But when it came on Netflix, uh, to answer your question, like, you know, we've fought with Netflix a little bit and they're like, here's your, the least amount of money you'll take. And we'll, I guess we'll take your movie. Like they said no a bunch of times before they said yes. Um, and then we heard nothing. And then we started seeing it being promoted by them before it launched. And like, they put a lot of money into promoting it. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And then when it hit and it's like featured and popular and top 10 for the better part of a month, it was, it was crazy as I mean, it's the closest I've come to having a hit, right? This is the one hit. Yeah. Yeah. This is hopefully not my one hit, but I'll take I don't it. Think you you're, know? No. I don't think you're going to be a one hit wonder, man. I, I really but don't. It was, it was crazy because, you know, and part of what all these strikes are about now is like, we don't get any numbers. I don't know anything about yeah. what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, that we were the number one documentary on Netflix for the better part of a month which was the number one streaming service at that time. It's crazy. And it's done a lot for me. Like people have heard of it, right? That's Mm -hmm. the biggest thing that came out of it. It's like, I can, I can get those meetings, right? It helped on the lost doc. I'm like, I did this and you've heard of it. So, right. You know, let me get the meeting. But you know, the fact that I have no, I have no idea what it means because the streamers are all 
locked all their data in a black box and there's no extra money, right? Cause it's, it's Netflix. They wow. pay you once and they're like, we own this now. Bye. Wow. There's no, there's yeah. no residuals. There's no like, you know, this That's is a giant up. hit. It's a giant hit, but they just pay you that initial amount that they negotiated down as low as possible because they don't really want your movie. Yeah. So, that's outrageous. I've also heard conspiracy theories that uh, I'm curious about, but I've heard conspiracy theories that one of the reasons why all these streaming sites are being so difficult during the strike could also be the reverse of if they have to show their numbers, it also might mean that they've been inflating the numbers or cheating the numbers mm-hmm. in a certain way in the sense of I've known someone has mentioned before, and I've always thought this. Well, why is the number one most watched show on Netflix almost always the show that auto plays when I log into Netflix, uh, whether I want to yeah, watch it or not? Does that? But I'm like, does that auto play count as a view? When they say like, oh, this show got 20 million views, are mm-hmm. they counting every time that the first 10, 15 seconds of it plays when someone logged into Netflix that day? Like. Maybe. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that's the thing. That's one of the arguments is that they keep the data secret because if people knew the real numbers, you know, the, the stock price would plummet yeah. or, or be inversely affected. But it's like, you don't get to have a new format, right? Streaming is this new format and just reinvent everything. Yeah. Like television <laughs> had ratings, radio has numbers, album sales, movie sales. Like we know how much money things make. We've known forever. That's how we measure the success of a thing. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, no. We'll, we'll just tell you what we'll, we'll tell you. It's a Stranger hit or not. Things is very popular. And unless you work on Stranger Things and they're like, cool, let me get my residuals. And they're like, no, no, no it wasn't that popular. Jeez. I <laughs> hope that you don't have to deal. I hope that some things are, are figured out. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully. Who knows? Uh, no, uh, that's, it's, that's yeah. It's fine. I'm, eternally grateful that it was on Netflix, that it was popular, that they spent money promoting it and Mm -hmm. forced it into their own algorithm because they can do that. I'm very grateful and it's done great things for my career and all that. But I'm a fan of just like transparency and honesty, except that I can't tell you any numbers because they put that in the contract, which should annoy everybody to no end. It's like there's a non-disclosure about what the contract says. I probably can't even say that that's in the contract, but oh, wow. I think that's public knowledge wild. at this point with all the striking anyway. So I think you're in the clear, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, but, it's just wild how they treat, uh, you know, and I'm just an independent filmmaker. They do this across the board. It's not like mm-hmm. we got a shittier deal than most people. Yeah. And this isn't, we got the normal deal. We should, we should also clarify. Yes, we're talking about Netflix because that is your experience, but it's pretty much the case with every single streaming site. Yeah. This isn't like yeah. Netflix is doing something shady, but like Amazon Prime, Hulu, and Disney Plus are like super upfront and legit. <laughs> like, that is true. <laughs> However, Amazon uh, was famously the most filmmaker friendly in that for years and years. I don't think it's the case anymore. You could upload your own. Like when I did the Ska movie, we put it up on Amazon and you just make it for rent and you get a good split on that money. It's like iTunes. It's like anything where a band sells their music directly. Um, and Amazon was great. And I right. still make money off Amazon and they give you the numbers Yeah, because yeah. it's your thing. There's a back end where you can be like, Oh, this many people watched my movie and that is this many dollars. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, Which, that makes sense. So Amazon is slightly better in that regard. Now, if they license mm-hmm. something for Prime, that's different. Yeah. No, right. that totally makes sense. Gotcha. Well, I know that you've hit your goal at the time that this episode has come out, but that does not mean that you do not need some more donations to make this an even bigger and better Lost documentary. So where can people go if they're saying, man, this dude fucking loves Lost. I want to support this shit. Where can they go to donate? Uh, We're at gettinglostdoc.com. That'll point you straight to the Indiegogo. And we're at gettinglostdoc on all the social media platforms if you want to hear me very badly sing uh drive chef's number one hit single you all everybody that's as soon as night. we sign off that's the first thing i'm doing <laughs> we recorded it super quickly because we hit our goal we didn't expect to hit our goal today so <laughs> my wife plays the drums and i'm like do you want to just go sing this i think it's only two chords i think we can fake our way through it <laughs> regular white stripes type performance up there. turns out three chords <laughs> nice i'm gonna take you to nakama our lungs are blue just like Nirvana Then we'll do 80s karaoke I'm Phil Collins, you're Madonna You are the strangest girl I've ever known Nobody else still uses payphones This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Ophalios of the band's Punchline Pack and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Off the Punchline EP, So Nice to Meet You. Be sure to check out punchline.com for any upcoming news of the band. Our podcast is on Patreon now. Find us at patreon.com backslash OHD podcast for early access to episodes, bonus episodes, and a chance to vote on future songs that we can cover. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>